Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Good morning, friends. So I want to tell you a story, but first there are a few things that I need to admit. I need to admit that when our UU congregations all over the country decided to cancel this year's business meeting, and instead we would have a justice general assembly in partnership with immigration rights groups in Phoenix, I can admit that when I heard that was the plan, I thought, whatever. And I can admit that in our own work here at Arlington Street Church, where some of us are working on huge, complicated issues like climate change, immigration rights, marriage equality, and a dozen others, sometimes I find it hard to know where and how to grab on. Anybody else ever feel like that? Oh, oh, well, hello. (laughs) That the world is just so big and there's so much to do that it's hard to know where and how to grasp on. And I can admit that in the face of that, I often default to being kind in one-on-one interactions because I don't know what to do about the world. And I can admit that when it comes to immigration rights, I'm pretty confused. If you come into the country illegally, doesn't it make sense that you're going to be sent home? It's the law, that's the law. So even though three out of four of my grandparents are immigrants, I've been confused by this whole immigrant rights movement, but I disconnected, I said, whatever. So now, the deal was that in exchange for canceling this business meeting, everybody was supposed to show up at the Justice General Assembly in Phoenix and to work with the Phoenix-based immigration groups, right? So I was really clear, everybody meant everybody, except me because I, I didn't need to be using my vacation time to go to Phoenix, and it's hot there, please. Then my partner asked me if I had booked my flight yet. And then my friends asked. My mother called. My father called. My partner's mother called, and my partner's father called. My mother called again. Fine. Okay. Fine. I will go. I will march where they tell me to march. Whatever. Maybe I'll get some shopping done. I hear that the jewelry is really lovely in Arizona. Thus ends the admissions. Now begins these true stories. A young woman approached the microphone in the convention center hall. Her name is Tiffany, she said. She's a member of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Phoenix. She was born and raised in Phoenix, where she met and married the love of her life, Daniel. 
And then one day, in a blink of an eye, Daniel's mother was deported. Gone. Daniel's parents had illegally crossed the border from Mexico 20 years earlier with then four-year-old Daniel, and Tiffany feared that Daniel would be next. They got a lawyer who told them that the first step was to prove that their marriage was legit. So they followed the procedures, they got testimonials from friends and from their congregation, and they waited. A year went by. They had a child, and when the baby was one month old, the lawyer called to say that there was good news. It was likely that Daniel's immigration status would be changed to allow him to stay. But first, he had to return to Mexico for about 10 months or until the paperwork was sorted out. Tiffany and Daniel continue to fight his deportation, and today, while his mother has yet to meet her first grandchild, the rest of the family is still together. In the meantime, the family fears that Daniel is going to be picked up and held at the Tent City Detention Center, which is just outside of town. Tent City is a 2,000-person, outdoor, unair-conditioned detention center run by the county sheriff, who he himself describes it as a, quote, concentration camp, where inmates, as they are called, are given food and water twice a day. The sheriff reports that he has gotten food costs down to 40 cents a day. His police dogs, he says, require $1.15. Like all detention centers, Tent City is a place in which detainees can legally be held indefinitely without legal representation. Detention, I've learned, is not part of the criminal justice system, and so it doesn't come with the rights that are built into the criminal justice system, that you're given a lawyer, that you can't be held indefinitely without being charged. Immigration in the United States is an administrative matter. It's about um, whether you're supposed to be here or there. It's whether your visa needs to be renewed. Detention is just where you're held while that administrative paperwork is being sorted out. So the purpose of detention is to make sure you show up for your hearing. It's not intended to be punitive. It's certainly not intended to be a concentration camp. There are hundreds of Daniels who were brought here as children who are languishing indefinitely in detention. There are currently 275 right here just off Mass Ave. And why? I saw this documentary where Michael Rozo, he's the former field director for ICE, and ICE is the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. So Michael Rozo explains that ICE is currently operating on a mandate to deport 400,000 people a year. So they're sweeping up as many immigrants as possible so that they can meet their quota. And so the system is backlogged. The Phoenix Immigration Partners asked us for a public, media-worthy demonstration of support against these inhumane practices and indefinite detentions. 500 UUs worked with partners at a local citizenship fair, helping permanent residents in the final stages of their applicants for citizenship. 
that step is especially important for those people who, who entered illegally, but their skin color is likely to land them in one of these sweeps and then in indefinite detention. And at our partner's request, we planned a candlelight vigil to the Tent City Detention Center. About 2,000 of us piled into school buses for the 10-minute drive to Tent City. We had a good time there on the school bus, going to the vigil. Somebody wanted to sing 100 bottles of beer on the wall. And instead, we ended up singing, we are vigiling on the side of love. And we are witnessing on the side of love. Until the bus rounded the corner to the detention center, and there was a large group of Minutemen. They are the armed citizen volunteer border patrol. They're in fatigues and carrying rifles. There to welcome the bus. Ahead, you could see the long driveway to Tent City that we were going to march on. The razor wire was surrounding us on both sides, and just beyond the wire were the tents. The sheriff's men were on horseback, and they would be blocking us in at the other end. In the face of that fear, I looked out the bus window to a site that I won't soon forget. The first four busloads of UUs had already lined up in the darkness and had started marching. Candles in hand, past the Minutemen, past the Sheriff's men, up to the edge of the razor wire, as close to the tents as they could get. I'm a lifelong UU. That is the first time I've seen us and thought, those are my people. Soon, they would be chanting, nosotros con ustedes, we are with you. I lit my candle, I filed off the bus and into the blare of the television lights, moving past the Minutemen at the bottom of the steps and on to this older man who must have really struggled with the heat in order to be there. He looked at me and held up a photo of a woman about his age. And he said, thank you for coming. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. There was a very long line of family members, longer than the line of Minutemen, all holding up photos and saying, thank you. Thank you. For what? I'm walking with a candle. That is all I'm doing. Right. That's all I'm doing. Me and oh, about 2,000 of my friends here. And it dawned on me that we're a force. Did you know that already? I don't think I knew that. That we, as a denomination, are 
walking past the Minutemen, past the sheriff's men, up to the razor wire and saying, we are with you, we will share our power, that we as a community can help create change and on the path to that change, we can and we do bring hope, solace, and in this case, we brought the media. We stayed for hours and sang until we were all hoarse in the heat. They cajoled us from the stage to drink more water. The president of the United Church of Christ was there and he pledged his denomination support. One of the national leaders of the Baptist Church spoke and our partner organization stood in amazement at the beauty and the power of it all. The next day, back at the convention center, our partners were thrilled with the vigil, saying that the photos and the story had been picked up by over 300 media outlets, including the Associated Press Wire, and that this is what love looks like. They also said that they took a gamble in bringing us all to Phoenix, and they did not know if that gamble had paid off. That Justice General, General Assembly was only successful if we took the stories back and worked on the tent cities and our community. I came home to discover that Arlington Street Church is way ahead of the curve on that with many years of partnership with local groups and a fall vigil already planned. There are photos of last year's local vigil and all of the events that I've mentioned downstairs in the parish hall. You can see me at coffee hour if you'd like to hear more. I started this journey thinking, if you break the law, it makes sense that you would be detained and deported. It's the law, that is the law. But what if the law says that a four-year-old can be held responsible for crossing the border illegally? Or the law says a father should leave his, his infant child for 10 months to wait in another country for paperwork. The law says people can be held in detention in our backlog system for years with no charges, no hearing, no lawyer. I understand it's legal. I return from this journey wondering if it is moral. This country was built on immoral laws. Slavery was the law, denying women the right to vote was the law. Banning same-sex partners from the rights of marriage was and still is in most places the law. I humbly suggest that the law is not the measure of what is right or just or moral. The law is merely the measure of our current collective will. I have one more thing to admit. I don't know what happens now. I don't know how to maintain the momentum. I do know that I went to Phoenix disconnected from the weight of the world because I thought it was mine to carry and I knew I could not. I return humbled to find myself among such people of power who for generations have carried the candles that brought solace and compassion and change. In the words of Martin Luther King, I have come home maladjusted. 
and I don't imagine I'll become adjusted anytime soon. So I take one more step today with my little candle, and that is to share these stories with you and invite you to join me on this march. On behalf of the families outside of Tent City, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Blessed be. <laughs>